One of the most common complaints I hear from young women is, why don't guys take more initiative in relationships? In fact, the most listened to episode on our podcast, hands down, is the one we titled, Where Are All of the Good Guys? Whether it is simply asking a girl out or providing communication and clarity in a relationship, many guys won't step up and take the lead. In today's episode, we're talking about men and leadership. What does the Bible mean when it says that the husband is to lead a family? What does it look like practically? How can a single girl tell if a guy will be a good leader or not? Is there anything a young woman can do to help a guy in her life step up and lead well? Now, I realize that there are men out there who misunderstand God's design for leadership and give headship in the home a bad name. But there are good men out there who understand this role and work hard to live it out the way God intended. If you've never been around men like this, they're pretty awesome. And my husband is one of those men, and he is our guest today. Hey, babe, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, glad to be here. I'm excited to talk about this topic with you today. I think it's a super important topic. So many of the things that you and the girls talk about are so critical to relationships, to being healthy in interaction between the sexes, but just um, for these young girls to have a chance to listen to the things y'all talk about and to think on them, to grow with them. You are truly doing the tightest too. You're truly teaching the next generation. It's so cool. Well, thanks. You've been a big encouragement to make it happen. To our listeners, it's just the two of us today. It's just me and Sean. And we're excited about just really exploring this topic. Leah helped us put together some great questions. Um, She's actually moving this week. And so we're just going to engage the conversation, just the two of us. Sean, just to catch you up, in episodes 88 and 89, we started a conversation about biblical submission for wives in marriage. Whoa. I know. We're going there. I don't recommend that. (laughs) But not many people are talking about it in the right way. Well, I'm kidding. I listened to both those episodes, actually. I I like going on, uh, as you know, runs in the desert with our dog and... I'm always listening to all kinds of podcasts, and yours, of course, is one that I listen to. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Well, I I don't know if you remember this, but we were talking one morning, and I just said, babe, I think it's important for you to come on to the podcast and talk about leadership and what it's like for a guy, because I really do think that guys have, or men in marriages who want to do it God's way, really have the hardest job. And I think for a balanced discussion, it's important to talk about both. And for those just joining us, we encourage you to go back and listen to episodes 88 and 89 first, because they are going to help provide a framework for our discussion today. All right, babe, let's jump into it. All right, let's go. All right. So perhaps our first question should be this one. Why are we talking about biblical leadership and submission on a podcast that's for single women? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know. I'm just a guest. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Why are you? 
Well, like I mentioned in the intro, I think it's an important um, topic for young women to think through because it's going to affect the person that they marry, the type of man that they choose. Yeah, I agree with that. You got to nail these things down as early as you can. Uh, I know for me, I didn't become a follower of Christ until I was 16. And there are some out there who don't become a follower of Christ until they're 26, 36, 56. And so as soon as you can, as soon as you're aware, especially if you're single, it's so important to nail down what you do believe about roles in marriage. What is the man supposed to do? What is the woman supposed to do? Because culture has a message on these things. Scripture has a message on these things. And if you're going to follow Christ, ultimately you have to align with Scripture. I agree. And if you're not on the same page going into marriage, it will cause some problems down the line because there's going to be a lot of miscommunication, misunderstandings um, if you're not on the same page. So that's why we're talking about it today. Well, Sean, I met you later in life. Have you always wanted to lead a family? No, I would say no. I, I grew up with selfish dreams to be a great athlete. I mean, that's what I was thinking about when I was in junior high and high school. I wasn't sitting there dreaming about my wedding day <laughs> or, uh, you know, having a family. But I will say I did always picture myself being married and having a healthy number of kids, healthy meaning a bunch. You know, I just I always wanted to do that. Well, what made you want to step up and lead in a relationship and a family? I don't know that I really had an idea that the man should lead the family, um, even once I became a believer. But in college, I started to grow a lot spiritually, and I started to notice families in our church. I noticed that in so many cases, the, the man, the husband, the father figure seemed to be engaged would pray before the meals, talked about scripture with their families, started um, a Bible discussion a lot of times at dinner or had some sort of family devotional in the scripture uh, at night before the kids went to bed. I was in some of these settings. I was in these homes watching these families interact. I saw these men. They led in prayer. They led in decision making. They led in relationship building within the family. And I, I thought to myself, this is my destiny. This is what a man should be like. A man should be uh, a humble and gentle, uh, yet go-getter, I'll throw in, uh, who's decisive when needed, who's kind, who's a servant. I saw that. I realized that was not who I was. That was not the dream I had for my future either. And ultimately, honestly, I, I just decided to grow. I decided to develop in these characteristics so that I could lead my home that way someday. Well, I'm glad you did because you've led our family very well. I'm, I'm trying. Grateful. I'll throw in, you know, just like just like me, those guys weren't perfect. Uh, they made mistakes. They spoke words they regretted. Uh, and that's kind of the interesting thing about the roles that God lines out in Scripture, I think. He doesn't give men necessarily the role of husband and leader in the home because they're naturally phenomenal at it. I've seen a lot of women out there in the business world who are phenomenal leaders. And yet God says, I want the man to carry this mantle. None of those guys were perfect. I'm not perfect. I think one of these guys, he told me they were, they were out for a walk one day and this massive aggressive dog 
comes into the street uh, right there in front of him. And this guy instinctively, he didn't mean to, <laughs> but he instinctively <laughs> grabbed his wife and moved her no. in front of himself <laughs> between himself and the dog. Now, I'd like to think I wouldn't do that, <laughs> but it was just his natural reaction. And I mean, I mean, she was just roasting him, but in a playful way. Uh <laughs> Nobody's perfect in these roles. Yeah. Well, and I'm not perfect either, but together we make it work with the Lord's help. Well, Sean, what does the Bible say to men about leading in their homes? You know, it says a lot. In Ephesians 5, Paul said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, It's the husband's job, responsibility to love his wife, to love her sacrificially, to serve her. I think about First Timothy, where Paul says that anyone who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel, is the word he uses. It's the man's job to provide for his family. Uh, I think about uh, Colossians 3, where it says, love your wives as Christ loved the church again, but then it adds, and do not be harsh with them. Um, back in Ephesians 5, it says, be considerate as you live with your wife. First uh, Peter 3 says, uh, live with your wife in consideration, live with her in an understanding way. Ultimately, there there really can't be, though, two leaders, you know, with with equal roles and responsibilities. No company would ever do that. You guys alluded to that. I yeah, think, we on, talked about that on episode 88. You can't have two head coaches, two CEOs, two presidents. There have to be different roles and there has to be that person with whom the buck stops, mm-hmm. right? Uh, as I take in the whole of Scripture, and in particular, um, the New Testament, what I take away is that men need to lead by example. They need to serve as a model of godliness to their families. They should provide. They should provide protection. They should provide support to those in their home, guidance. Um, obviously, spiritually, they need to provide, as well as um, financially, uh, they should provide spiritual nourishment for their families. Now, I don't have to provide all those things directly, right? Maybe some of those things I get done through others in the family. I know over the years when our kids were younger, I would have them lead family devotionals quite a bit. Uh, it may have backfired. I don't know. But <laughs> the reason I would do that was to sort of get them teaching mm-hmm. early, to get them um, taking in scripture so that they could pass it on to others. But I also think that ultimately men should be willing to lay down their lives for their wives, just like Jesus did for us. That's what it's saying in Ephesians 5. You know, babe, I'm glad that you pointed to the scriptures on this topic, because I think a lot of young women actually believe that biblical leadership means the husband just bosses the wife around. So there are people out there probably who think you just boss me around all the time. And that's just not true. Yeah, I mean, they can... They can come live with us and see it's you bossing me around. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. That's not really your your way or your personality. Unfortunately, there are a lot of men in the history of the church who have abused some of these scriptures as a way to take control of their families. They've quoted these scriptures to their wives as a way to um, keep them under their thumb and to get what they want. Uh, historically those stories are in the church and and it's sad because it's the exact opposite kind of leadership 
that Jesus modeled. He said, I'm among you as one who serves. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, um, Paul says, now I will show you the most excellent way. And he talks about love as the best form of leadership. Jesus in John 13 washes his disciples' feet, which was a dirty, nasty job where he had to get down on his hands and knees to do it and, and place himself lower than his followers. And so, man, I, I would just say there's that is real. That has happened. It's a gross misinterpretation of Scripture. No one would want to follow a leader like that. And for that reason, it's unfortunate. I will say some of the resistance out there is just no one likes to submit to anybody. And the reality is everyone has to submit. Even Jesus had to submit. First Corinthians 11, the head of every woman is man. The head of every man is Christ. And the head of Christ is God. Even Jesus Christ himself had to submit. If there's anybody that shouldn't have to submit, it's him. Everyone has to submit. If my boss at work is a woman, I have to submit to her. I can't say, well, I'm not going to submit to her because she's a woman, right? Like how chauvinist and unteachable and wrong would that be? You know, why do I have to submit to a woman? Well, because she's your boss. That's why you're submitting to the person you're submitting to the job title. You're submitting to the role. No, I need, I either need to submit to my boss's leadership or I need to leave, leave the company. I know a couple of women who are ballers, Kim, professionally. One's a CEO, one's a CFO. Mm -hmm. They lead their companies well, but they both believe in the scriptural outline for men as head of the home. Um, and so at home, each of these unbelievably gifted leaders, these ladies, play the assistant coach role or the offensive coordinator role, if that's a better way to describe it. But they don't play the head coach role because there can be only one head coach and they're submitting to scripture. The buck can't stop with two people. That is interesting. And we have seen that quite a bit. I get it. I, I get some of the pushback. I get some of the resistance. I, I understand that. But I didn't make the rules. You and I didn't line it out. And, and believe me, as a man, there are a lot of times that in my flesh, I would rather just be a willing follower. A lot of times I'd rather not be responsible to provide for my family or protect them or or to shepherd them or to answer to God for them. <laughs> you know, I, there are times I'd rather not have that responsibility. It would be a lot easier to chill and let my wife do all the praying and Bible teaching and modeling and decision making and Netflix and chill around here. But <laughs> God designed marriage this way. Mm -hmm. and, and just so you know, I'm not saying those things are what wives are supposed to do. I'm not saying that wives just sit around and follow when called upon. I'm just saying that most men's temptation is to be passive. And, and the Lord knew that. And that may be one of the reasons that he said, you're going to have to lead to get you off your butt. It's not exactly a blessing. It's a challenge. Spiritual leadership of the home is a job in itself. The experiences I have had personally in just leading, you know, other women and small groups or even leading our children, leadership is a tough position. And I think those experiences help me respect just God's design in our home to be a person that's enjoyable to lead. And that's what I've strived to do, you know, just in our marriage and not just give you pushback every time you're trying to lead us to do something or 
go somewhere. If anything, and you know this, there have been a lot of times in our marriage where I've asked you for more pushback. Yeah, actually, you just have. it's kind of your natural personality. And we to... talked about that on the one of the earlier episodes too. Just my personality, because different women have different personalities, and each family is going to look a little bit different. And because my personality is one that does not enjoy making decisions and thinks things through so carefully. Um, I have about one or two decisions in me a day, and I just would rather you make those decisions. And that's not every woman. Adrian and Leah, or Adrian mainly, um, shared that she is not that way. So anyway, go back and listen to those if you haven't already. Babe, let's talk about this. Is there a time when a woman should not submit? Absolutely. There are many kinds of leadership to which a wife should never submit. Uh, I think of physical abuse. I think of emotional abuse, sexual abuse, lack of financial integrity. Your husband wants to go and do something illegal, uh, something that he doesn't want the IRS to find out about, something that could land him or both of you in prison. Ultimately, you're complicit in that. You do not submit. Uh, You submit first to the Lord. And then to your husband. And if submitting to your husband doesn't go along with what the Lord is saying, then you don't submit. Now, I have seen some wives, some believing wives who are married to a non-Christian man, and they really wanted their husband to go to church with them. And so for years and years, they nagged them, uh, which no man is influenced by. By the way, I don't know if any humans are influenced by nagging. And it it drove these men away. And then I've seen also some wise Christian women who, you know, prayed that their husband would come to the Lord or come to church with them as a first base. And yet they uh, at times would just go to church on a Saturday night if their church offered that or a Friday night. A lot of more churches are having all these different services so that if their husband wanted to hang out with them or go to the lake or something like that on a Sunday morning, That became an issue where they were like, well, the Bible doesn't say specifically I need to go to church on Sunday morning. And so out of submission to their husband, they went fishing with him at the lake or, you know, uh, wakeboarding on a Sunday morning. And I can tell you that felt good to those guys. Should those guys be taking their wife to church and leading the family spiritually? Yes, but they're not believers yet. Are there times when a woman shouldn't submit? There are. There are some complete idiots out there. So My advice to the ladies out there is take your time when you're choosing. Don't get in a hurry and marry some guy just because he says he's a Christian. Good point, babe. Um, I like what you say a lot, Kim. Like, Since you ultimately do have to follow his leadership, you should really look at who a guy is right now. Uh, Not Don't look at future him, some future him that you hope he'll become. But you got to look at who he is right now and ask yourself, as you've said many times, Can I follow this guy who he is right now, even if he never changes, even if he never grows? Yeah. I think the words I use is as is. As is. Yeah. Um, And you should look at him as is and decide whether you can follow him. Decide whether you can follow him if push comes to shove and he's forced to make a decision in marriage that you don't agree with. Ultimately, a man makes decisions that are the overflow of his character. And so you marry the silhouette of a character that he has. You marry the character qualities that he embodies and lives out on a daily basis. His decisions are going to come from that. Marry wisely. Yes. And that's why we're talking about it. So 
thanks for opening up and letting us kind of see into Guy World here. Well, what is it like to lead? I mean, you've talked about this a little bit, but any more thoughts on that? You know, what is it like to feel the weight of leading our family? Oh, it's the biggest blessing in the world, contrary to what I said earlier. It's also extremely exhausting, and it's a load of responsibility on my shoulders. And it should be. If I take that seriously, then I will feel that weight. Guys who are like, I don't really see what the big deal is, I think they don't get it. It is a big deal. Preachers have talked for ages about the three offices, they call it, of Jesus. Prophet, priest, and king. These are kind of the same roles that I need to play in my home. And I'd I'd probably add shepherd as well. Prophet, priest, king, shepherd. But you think about the prophet. As a prophet in my home, I need to recognize bad influences coming at my family. Whether it's bad teenage friends, uh, false teaching, uh, even wrong adult friends. And I need to speak the truth from God's word to my family. I'm supposed to do that in my extended family as well. Uh, I need to be a prophet. Secondly, Jesus was a priest. I need to be a priest. What does a priest do? A priest goes between man and God. He represents man to God, but he also represents God to man. So a man, as he tries to lead in his home, is supposed to be his priest and and is supposed to be a priest. And, And the best priests are humble priests because they realize Man, I am sinful as well. Again, in Hebrews 5, it says, Every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. There you go. He represents man to God. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. In other words, you're going to God. You're begging God in prayer for your family, for answered prayer, for him to work in your your wife and your kids' lives. And... Step one in those prayers is, Lord, you know I'm a sinner too. <laughs> and uh, therefore, you you become a humble priest. I've failed so many times to be the Christ-like example my family needs. And so I have to go to God first and confess my sin first. Uh, incidentally, Kim, you might remember this, but when our kids were younger, they would love when I would tell stories, especially recent stories about my own failures my own hypocrisy, mm-hmm. my my quickness to anger, my impatience, my hyper-competitiveness, you name it. Um, it frustrated me when they took advantage of those confessions and brought them back around. But that said, it's important for a priest to, to do that. Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. So the last thing I would say there, um, you know, you asked me, what is it like to lead? It's being a prophet in your home. It's being a priest and it's being a king. What does a king do? A king makes important decisions. And so I want to make important decisions about the direction of the family. And I'm going to solicit input from my queen, right? Thank you. (laughs) Uh, A king sets the culture. And so Mm -hmm. I need to set the culture in my family. I need to protect the family from intruders, uh, whether physical, spiritual, social, whatever. Bad news, boyfriends, wrong friend groups, uh, toxic people. It's my job to keep them out of my marriage and my family. These guys who cheat on their wives, these guys who are unkind to their wives, they want the privileges that come with being king, but not the responsibility. They exchange kingly responsibilities for kingly privileges. Huge mistake. 
And again, back to providing, one of the things a king needs to do is ensure that there's a war chest for the mission of the people. So over the years, I've tried my best to make sure our family's dreams are funded, whether it's you writing a book or starting a podcast or our kids pursuing their professional dreams. I've tried to find money to make those things happen because that's part of the king's job, provide a war chest. And then finally, I'll add shepherd. That's not really one of the three offices of Jesus, but it's on the leader of the home to ensure the well-being of the flock under his care. My, my family, I like to view them like my own little church. And so I need to protect them from bad teaching. I need to check on them. I need to see how they're doing. I need to ask them how I can pray for them. I didn't grow up with a lot of shepherding in my life. So this is one I've kind of had to work on in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I had loving parents, but you know we were blue collar. They were hardworking. I had probably too much freedom in my life, uh, not enough leadership um, guiding me in my life. And so this has been one I've had to work on because my default is, well, I had to figure it out. You figure it out. And that's not good leadership, but it, ha it has been one of my defaults over the years. Well, babe, I've really appreciated how you have led our family because I you know, I, I, it breaks my heart when I hear young women kind of buck against this whole idea, because if they could just see things the way that they're lived out, you're wanting to involve me more than I probably want to be involved, whether it deals with our kids or our money or relationships, professional decisions, where we live. But I, I would say to push back on that a little bit, I would say there, there have been times over the years where you've ask me to do things like you, you asked me several times earlier in our marriage to get some counseling. Like, I think you could really benefit from some counseling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did. And I didn't, I was like, I'm good. You know, like a typical dumb man. I'm 50 years old now and, and got extended in intensive counseling for the first time ever, just this last summer. And I've been telling people ever since last summer, man, I should have done that when we first got married 25 years ago. So I know you're saying that, but like, I, I just don't want to have as much input sometimes, but there have been times where you had input for me and I didn't listen. Like you said earlier, neither one of us are perfect and we're just trying to live this out, but, and God uses it, you know, I mean, it was a season for me to trust God, to work in your life in his own timing. And we all have hurts that we bring into marriage and, and you married a psychology major. So I, I kind of value counseling and that type of stuff more than most. It all has a happy ending, so it was good. But I appreciate that you take responsibility for our family and lead in the best way you know how. And it's made a difference for us. I think all of us have really thrived in your leadership. You know, I know you said leadership can be hard. How has it been hard for you? Like what challenges have you had to overcome to lead well? Hey guys, it's Kim. We're going to hit pause on Sean's answer to that question. Don't hate me, but I'm going to leave you hanging with that question until next week. Forgive the audio. I'm traveling this week and I didn't expect to record, so I just had to use my phone. Sean and I had a lot to talk about in this episode. I enjoyed asking him these questions and really digging deep on the topic. We got carried away and we talked for over an hour. 
As a team, we felt this was an important conversation. We don't often get to hear the inner workings of godly men. So, instead of editing out a lot of our discussion, we are going to post all of it. But, we're going to do it in two parts. I promise we'll pick right back up where we left off, and I really don't want you to miss the rest of our conversation, especially the part where Sean offers advice for women on how we can help got the guys in our life step up and lead. I sure hope you'll join us again next week for the finale of Season 5.